Hello and welcome to this week's Devil the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkinson and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. Join me show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Parkin. How's your week been, mate? Yeah, pretty good, Paul. Thank you. Busy. Building a bed from Ikea. It took me three days. Instructions may as well not matter. It was just nonsense printed on paper, to be honest. I think I've made it up as I've gone along, which is why it's not finished. But other than that, yeah, no, it's been a good week. I've just been getting more and more geared up for, for Friday now. It's, it's starting to dawn on me that we're, we're nearly there after all these months of nothingness. Yeah, we're nearly there now. So, yeah, it's been a good week, really. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, I'm injured. To be honest, Parky, I've met me, me daughter, playing with my daughter on the floor. She's two years old. Obviously, she wanted to, to run away, stepped on me on my left knee, pop. And since then, I've been hobbling around on my on leg. I think there's something. I put some ice on it last couple of days to spring the swelling down. But I think if it was like a main player at Salford, I'd have, uh, I'd have people like Yori Geller and the, with a picture of my knee touching it, seeing if I can get fit for the, for the season. I'd have 24-hour physio on it to try and get me fit for, for the league game. So, yeah, it's been a tough few days. But here I am, going through that pain barrier to bring you another podcast. So we talk all oh, things Salford Red Devils Park here. Yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to getting back into the big stuff now. Yeah, yeah. Also, joining us on the show, we've got Tom Bramwell for the Manchester Evening News. Tom, welcome to the show. Looking forward to talking all things Salford Red Devils. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Really looking forward to it. You know, get easing into getting excited about the season and stuff. So it'll be really good to get stuck into it and talk about all things Salford. Yeah, so loads to go at. We've got all the big news to come, but we'll start with a Wigan defeat, the last friendly of 2023. You're listening to Devil in the Detail and this is your Big Match Review. So, so for the Devils were defeated against Wigan. They got beat 32 points to four. Parker, we all know what Wigan are all about. They kick you to a corner and it's about getting out of that corner. And I thought, for me, Paul Rowley used this as exercise to get the players super fit. Yeah, I think, I mean, the key to any friendly is, is what you get out of it is literally, you know, a glorified practice, if you like. There's no importance on it, really. It's, as long as you come away with no injuries, you can't really have a bad friendly in many ways. And obviously, they'll have worked on things in the in the winter that they want to try out. Perfect opportunity. If it doesn't work, you know it doesn't work. You don't take it into the season. And gaining match fitness, because like most of the lads played what? Less than 40 minutes against Swinton. It's not really a good practice for a season. I don't think we needed a bit more, but but then you're risking injuries. So, uh, no, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's a good choice. And going away to Wigan, I mean, you're going to test yourself against the best because we'll talk about it later. But I, I really like Wigan, the way they set up. The way they were last year, I was very surprised the way it ended for them, to be honest. But you're not going to get much stronger throughout the season than playing Wigan away. I know it was only a friendly, but still, you know, you're going to test yourself against the best. And uh, so it's a you know, decent thing, and, and it looks like we've come through it more or less all clear. So, as far as I can see, the, the result really didn't matter. It, it was a good, good chance to get all the lads back together. And obviously, I know Wigan would have had the same thing, but after the World Cup, certain players only come back into training late. You know, they're still getting used to each other again. There'll be a couple of new faces in there that needed a run out. So, yeah, overall, it's a good workout for the boys and much needed. Hopefully, we've learned a bit going forward for this week. Yeah, transition was a problem. Tom, when we did get up 
towards the Wigan end of it. We did ask questions. We had two tries disallowed. Reese Williams uh, with two disallowed tries. And then Dion crossover in the corner for Salford for their only try. So it shows when we do get territory, we will ask questions. Yeah, I, I think I... I mean, I know I agree with everything Paul just said there about what getting out what you, you want to get out of these friendly things. And I think Paul Rowley will be really happy with what he got out of it because I know he said that... There's a big difference just in terms of infrastructure and different things between Wigan and, and Salford. And you can spend all winter doing your pre-season and your training and stuff, but they can't get 13-on-13 training at any point. And the coaches step in and, and they can't do it. So you can practice your attack and you can do things about your timing and your different things, but you're doing a lot of that unopposed. The thing you can't really get practicing is, is the contact and the physical stuff and the different things. And the coaching staff made a choice to operate the Swinton game the way they did and do 40 minutes for the, for the first team boys and after that game Paul come away and said well they didn't really test us we did nothing in defence you know in that first 40 minutes and everything so he wanted that sort of test he wanted it to be more about defensive side things I think the scoreline like you say there disallowed try to things I think the scoreline doesn't perhaps reflect the full 80 minutes of that game I think like Paul said there's there's no point getting hung up on score lines and results like that in, in pre-season. I think the club will have got everything they wanted to get out of it. And it's one of those things where I think we'll only know how important that is in two or three weeks' time when you see how Salford have started the season and the preparation they've had up, up to this point. Yeah, preparation is key. Parky, I thought a couple of new lads, Longstaff and Stone, came in and did really mm-hmm. well. Parts and in particular, loose forward, give us an extra dimension in attack. And I think, obviously, Paul Raleigh has his philosophy, which which he plays. And I think these three will be key to that success. Yeah, well, we spoke about it last week. Ellis Longstaff, I think, is a, a, a really, really smart signing. I've, I've liked him. I know I said it last week. I liked him at Warrington when he first started. I thought he was great at all last year. Really surprised Warrington haven't recalled him. Obviously, he doesn't fit what Daryl Powell's looking for. As in, he's not in his thirties and six foot seven and twenty-four stone. Mm. He, no, he's, a, he's a really good player. Stone, I've heard good things about from his time at Lee. Looked like a, a, a decent player, but Ollie Partington, I mean, that's that's some coup. He's he's a really really talented player with a lot to prove. And them three are going to be a makeup of the back row, along with the likes of Shane Wright and and of course Callum Watkins. I mean, it's, it's, it's an unbelievable wealth of talent. Right? You've still got Ryan Lannan to go in there and people like that. I mean, it's, it's great to, to have these players to, to be able to call on. And that's something that I, I think Paul would have looked at from the friendlies. He's, what is his best back three in that pack? I think he's got a real challenge on his hands to, to decide. I, I was going through it in my head through the week and thinking, well, I'm going to play him. And then I'm thinking, but then you can't, can you leave this guy out? Can you do this? Can you, Damn, it's a great headache to have, and hopefully, if everybody's fit, we still. I'm not even mentioned Andrew Dixon and people like that to, to come into the team. It's a good position to be in, uh, and them three lads are, are going to be are going to be key to our season. They all offer something different in each position. And again, I said it last week, and I said it to Paul Rowley a couple of weeks ago. Is it seems like the versatility of the players. Two or three of them, you know, can play anywhere and that's good because we are going to get injured we have got a small squad and we're going to need that but we've got some real real talent there now yeah Tom Paul Rowley often talks about his squad in, in press conferences and the size of it and if he would bring players in he, he would but obviously he's unable to due to restrictions on you know not being able to get sort of money from uh, from top brass but the players he brought in being able to mould into a team he wants to play so that's a good thing moving forward definitely I think you know 
it's no secret. It's all for the it's one of the smallest squads in Super League, the smallest budget in, in Super League. It's always punching above the weight in, in those terms. But I think I think when you look at this squad, this is perhaps the strongest squad they've had in, in Super League. I think you can look down, it's, it might only be 25 names first team-wise. I wouldn't be surprised or disappointed to see any of them in the team every, any week of the season. I don't think it's been that way in the past. I think there's been stages where it's been 13 players you want to see and, and, and sometimes even less than that. So I think now to look at this and think, you know, it is 25, 26, whatever it is. There's a couple of long-term injuries in there. There's different things. And, and round, I think Paul Rowley said a couple of times now, round one won't be the 17 he would name in an ideal world because he's not got everyone fit and everyone available. But for me, this is the strongest squad. And I, I think what Paul touched on there about the versatility. I think there's versatility in terms of the players can play in different positions. And we saw that a bit last year in Callum's move, especially into the back row and different things. And I think that's a credit to Callum for being able to do it and the coaching staff for spotting that he can do that and do it so well that season. But there's there's a lot of versatility in terms of the, the, the skills and the way people can play the positions. And uh, When he talked about Oliver Parkinson then, most of the time I saw him at Wigan, he, he was a prop forward and he, he just banged the ball in. But he's definitely got the hands and he wants to be a ball playing loose forward. And I think that's only going to come out and be demonstrated with the way that, that a Paul Rowley side played and the way that Salford showed he played last year. He's, he's the perfect fit for that. And I think when the club's got to operate in the way that Salford have got to operate, budgetary-wise, different things, you've got to see that in a player and identify where you can get a bit more value out of them. So he might not have been as valuable to win because they've got other forwards you could do that job and they've got different things but he can be really valuable in terms of what he can bring and if you've got to shake stuff about and injuries over the course of the season you can play him anywhere in that forward pack and that's going to I think going to hopefully not hopefully you get everyone fit every week of the season all, all year but I think that's unlikely for any club to have that isn't it so it could prove really valuable over the course of the season Yeah versatility is key Parky but we've we've got a structure we've got spine that that can play so around the spine that is where you've, you've got to make sure you've got the players that can fit in the system and, and produce magic yeah i mean we saw it last year didn't we in in that that sort of your one six seven nine thirteen key and and we've been we're, we're pretty much spoiled i think I, I still think even though andy eckers played for england last year i still think he's massively underrated I watched him last year and I just I was blown away by him. He was everywhere doing everything. He's got he's got a little bit of, he's, he's a clever player, but he's got a bit of quality about him with ball in hand. He can create as well, which he, which is fantastic. We know about Brody and, and Mark Sneed's been there for ever and done it all. And I think what Tom was saying there about, about Partington, I think he's gonna to add to that loose forward role if he gets it with his hands because he is a really, really key player and he's going to draw men in. He's going to, people, he's going to take some stopping, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a great position to be in. If you named or put down on paper our 1 to 13, 1 to 17, you would ideally think would be a starting team. That's, that's pretty scary. Mm. I mean, our back line is, it's unreal. It really is. And we can again. We can change things like Callum Watkins could drop back into centre. I don't think he will. I don't think that's going to be his thing now. But he could. He just played for England in a World Cup. I mean, you know, what well, a nice little commodity to have just sitting there because we've got a you know a good number of back rovers. We get a problem at the back, just swap them over. It's not. 
it's not going to be like he's learning a new position or anything stupid like that. So um, I think what we've done in assembling this squad is it's been very, very smart. Um, uh, but I think that the spine of the team is the brain's trust, if you like, is, is excellent, he's really, really good and still has a lot to prove. So uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, obviously. Uh, Tom, Paul Rowley, it's a more barrier for him than a sprint. First couple of rounds, we won't have players who, who are fit. Uh, but like Parky said, we've got quality in the squad. When So when it does come down to you know the important games of the season and the, and the back end where wins have become a premium, uh, we've got players there that could get us over the line. Definitely. There's, there's a great mix between just quality and, and experience and different things like Brody Croft, Man of Steel, um, played in the NRL however many times he played thing, but he's still well they've given him an eight season a deal that covers eight seasons that's a, a, a minimum what he's got mm. to offer you know and if things if you know you know, there's lots of caveats to that about a longer stage but he's got a lot of years ahead of him Mark Sneed is a, the way he plays the game can go on for a good few years yet same with Andy same with Ryan Briley so you, the, the, the club have got quality in those positions and you know like I said I, I don't think there's a squad in Super League who get more value out of what they spend cap wise I think to, to get this squad based on the cap spend um, Salford are able to offer has been a fairly phenomenal effort by all involved from the coaching staff to, to everyone involved at the club who, who make and sign off on the, those decisions um, and I think what, one of the key things that where the club's got stronger over the winter and this off season is in the recruitment and retention that they've done. It's longer term. So Ellis Longstaff's coming on a one year loan. Ben Helliwell signed a one year deal. But other than that, it's multi year deals. You're seeing people now who are going to be in two, three years time. Obviously, the Brody contract takes all the headlines because of the length and the, and the different things. But that's not been the case for Salford for so long. You know, Paul Rowley's spoken today and he said. We've got injuries. I'm not going to be able to name the one to seventeen I'd like to name on, on Friday, but he will name his one six seven nine that he had last season, right? And just being able to keep that spine together um, is a is a rare commodity for Salford from one season to the next. So when you've managed to do that and add stability around them and, and, and the players around them are coming in longer term deals, and you know they're going to be here for a couple of years, three years, um, it's everything for me moving in the right direction and it's there's been instances in the past and you know the grand final being the highlight one where they've just not quite been able to kick on the, the mm. year after and different things and I think last year's progress performance it feels like they're just positioned to, to kick on now and do and, and if if not repeat that success because I think without sort of doing down anything that Salford did last season, I think a lot of it was dependent on other teams not really being as strong as they, as they would expect to be this year. A lot of a lot of sides in Super League will expect to be better this season than they were last season. Um, but it feels like Salford should go on and repeat what they did last year in terms of wins and points gained, different things, and, it, and definitely be aiming to better it. Yeah, Parky, we talk about building a culture this has been sort of going on in the last sort of sort of 12, 18 months, maybe even before that through the Ian Watson period as well. But for me, like like Tom said, we're not we've got an opportunity now to kick on. 
and really the you know the the team spirit and and the culture will hopefully help grow uh, sort of what what the players are about and uh, that's only going to be a good thing uh, moving forward yeah i think we spoke about it in the past and the thing is that as Salford fans we've seen it before we'll have one great year and five really poor ones or or whatever to, to be considered and, and for people to start taking us seriously, we've got to be up and challenging that top six every year. Mm. And that's the key this year. I said to you last week, I, I, I don't expect a, a season like last season. I really don't. I don't know why. I just, But top six for me is, is our target. That's where we've got to aim to be. I mean, to kick off with, the, the, the one thing we do need to do is stay up. Right now, that might sound stupid with relegation and you know whatever's going to happen with IMG and so on. But we are working with the smallest budget, so therefore, realistically, you would think all things being equal, we'd finish bottom of the league. We won't. We won't. Our squad is far too good for that, and I say that touching wood. Um, but I think that the thing we've got to do is sustain this 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 period we've got now. Now, when you think back, you, you mentioned Ian Watson there. The last few years under Watson, we made the grand final, then the Challenge Cup final. And then there was a glitch mm. when we uh, appointed probably the wrong man <laughs> yeah. for the job. That's, that's all I can say. And we, we, we didn't even just stagnate. We went backwards for that one year. But then Paul Rowley came in last year and it's changed again. We've, we've gone back to that level. So realistically, three or four out of the last four or five seasons, we've progressed. We've got better. The standards have got better. The, the, not just... The odd one-off, really. It's, it's been there's been good rugby. Even last year, when we went through that spell of having, a, we had a tough time. We played, I think we played Warrington, Wigan, Saints, Catalan, and probably Leeds or something. I can't remember. It was all within four or five weeks, and had something like 16, 17 players missing and lost the game. Well, that's not surprising. But when you look back and watch the videos again from them games. We actually played some really good stuff. We weren't far off. We were just beaten by better, stronger teams on the day, and that's going to happen. I, I think that we've progressed to a point now where I, I don't think we're going to drop below that level. I think the players we've got now, the professionalism within that quality, the people like Callum Watkins won't let them standards drop. Mark Sneed won't let them standards drop. You know, these people have been a bread like that. Bringing in Tim Laffey, culture that they brought with them, Brody Croft. He, he builds into the team and I think now we're in a position where we're not going to go backwards and if we don't make the top six that's disappointing now think about that think about that from you know say 2000 to 2010 if you'd have said we're going to finish in the top six you'd have been laughing you know so we're looking at it the other way now and I, I think I think it's there's it, every reason to be positive I think Paul Rowley's done, done the right thing in, in what he's built as a squad him and Bleasy and, and everyone around him um, it's a happy squad, which is always important because if you've got, you know, it's the same in any job. If you've got a happy workforce, you'll get more out of them. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think the the key is now to to sustain what we've got. And if we do miss out on the top six, and I would be disappointed, but if you finish seventh, you know, or eighth by a couple of points, you've you've achieved in many ways. That's the way I see it for this year. There's no no pressure on us. Well, I disagree there, Parky, because we've we've come so far, and the, the people outside our bubble, oh, we're looking at Salford now, thinking, do it again. 
And if they do it again, then they'll think, you know what, I think they've got a team there. And then they might go. If we finish outside a playoff, they'll think, well, there we go. And it, and our sort of history, like you said, is is scattered. As, as I highlight that a lot of one great season, two average seasons. And there's no sort of build, is there? But at the moment, we have, in the last sort of three to five years, we've got a grand final, we've got a Challenge Cup uh, final, we've got a semi-final. Like you said, we had a, a glitch in the matrix. Um, so it, after last season's success, I, we, we do need, we, we need another playoff spot just to, to keep that momentum going. What, what do you think, Tom, obviously putting in your, your evening news hat on? Um, how far out of Salford away from sort of breaking into, let's call it the sort of people's, the mainstream of sport in the, uh, in the, in the Northwest? I'm sort of torn between the, the two stills there, what you're both saying. I think that what you said there, Rob, a bit about how people, if, if Salford finished outside of the top six, people might sort of gone, oh, well, they've dipped again or, or, mm. or different things. I think that's possibly true, but I think within the club and the fan base, you'd be able to assess how the season's gone. And I think, you know, I think there's every chance that things could go, not spectacularly well, could, could go really well on the field and still finish just outside that top that top six because I think mm. other clubs will improve. And I think as much as we've, I've said and we've said about how good the squad is and different things, I would be worried if one or two of those key players went down, yeah. playmakers, the, the spine players, different things, you know, injuries. So I think a season could get derailed by something like that, and things. And I think there will be improvement across Super League. So they might finish just outside of that top six, but like you say, that might make the wider public or fans away from Salford think they dipped again, or they're not as good as they were last year. I think you could have as good a season or better, but other factors probably stop you quite. Achieving that same way, I think the same thing happens when you get into the the playoffs. I think you know the 2019 season, the first couple of months of that season, it could have gone another way. You only had to lose two or three games there, and you don't get in the playoffs, and you don't have that end to the season that, that you do. And I think it's it's a bit it's one end where it's really it's really hard to tell at this stage. But I think that the optimism and the thing around the club should be as high as it's as it's ever been because I think that. You know, I remember going into that 2020 season, and as much as you know, 2019 had happened, Jackson had gone. There was, you know, it was going to be different. So, and then, so 2020, I don't think, and you guys might disagree with me because the experiences you got from it and different things, but I think I don't think 2020 was as good a season. A Challenge Cup final was great. Mm. You had to, you had to win three or four games to get to get to that. But I think on the whole, the season wasn't as good as as 2019 was, and then obviously 2021 was the step backwards. I think last year was the return to something like the levels, um, as you mentioned earlier. And I think that the, the key thing for me will be seeing progress and, and, and seeing some sort of, of uh, in the first instance, repeating a lot of what was done last year, but also building on it. And Because I think, like we have said about the, about the playing squad, with the spine being intact, with there being some some good additions around that, different things, there's no excuse for it to go backwards. You're not asking two mm. new arch partners to get to know each other or a new hooker to slot in there, anything like that. The the key playmakers, the pivots, they 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 know the playbook, they know each other inside out. If anything, that should get stronger and stronger after all the, the weeks they've had in pre-season. And different things. So 
I've sort of taught myself in one big circle there. And I think it'll be a good season. <laughs> but I think that there could be some instances where it could still be a good season, but not quite finish as highly as, as they did last year. Final thoughts, Parker? Well, I agree entirely. I think I think other teams will be stronger. I mean, if you looked at the start of last season and thought maybe Hall and Warrington would have been as poor as they were. Now, I, I still don't think Warrington will be as good as they should be this year. I really don't. I don't think the signings are, are, are anything like what they need. I could be proven massively wrong. I think Hull might be better. That's an extra place that's going to be fought out. You could easily miss out. But what if... Now, here's, here's something. Mm-hmm. What if, let's say we made a Challenge Cup final but missed out on the playoffs? Is that a good year? I mean, it's how you, it's how you judge things. For me, going to the Cup final... Is, is the dream. It's something that I know we did it the other year, but we couldn't witness mm. properly because of COVID and whatever else. So, one thing I, I've not, I've been to a grand final. I've seen us do that. I've seen us in all the other finals. I've not seen us in a, cup fi- in a Challenge Cup final. So, for me, that would be wonderful, even if we missed out in the playoffs. Now, there's no saying you can't do both, you know, or whatever. But, but I, I go with what Tom said there. It only takes. One game where it doesn't go your way and you miss out on the playoffs by two points. Mm. Is that a bad season? Is that a judge of the whole year? Not not really. You know, it could be... I think it's going to be... I think this year, with all the changes that are going to happen in Rugby League over the next 12 months, is a very pivotal year for a lot of clubs. And a few of them, including ourselves, are fighting for Super League survival. It may not be because of relegation. It may be decisions taken elsewhere. And that's why you've got to show the best account of yourself as you can now. Mm. And every team's got to do that from Saint the champion club throughout, all the way down to to Lee, who have just got promoted. Every single team has their own reason for fighting for something this year. And I just think it, it could be difficult, but predictions make a fool of us at all, and we, we'll carry on doing that. And that's what makes it fun. But I think for me, it'll be tough. But if we play the way we did and entertain in the manner we did last year, that'll do for me. Because that, that was, I've never seen rugby like that. Yeah, it was obviously a special season and you know, hopefully we'll have a, a few more special moments in, in 2023. Let's move forward now to, to the reserves. They had two friendlies in the, in the last couple of weeks. They played Hunslet away and lost 44 points to 18 and played Rochdale away and lost 50 points to 10. Hunslet, they were leading at half-time, 18 points to 14. Tries from Alex Davidson, Hayes and Sani Termau for Salford in that first half. I thought they played really well in that first half. Obviously, Hunslet are a League One side. There's different levels, obviously. The levels above our reserves. But to be in it at half-time, Tom, shows how far this Stuart Wilkinson team has come. Yeah, definitely. And you're talking about... It's it's men's rugby, isn't it? And, and there's a lot of these young boys and they're coming in and playing against a, a grizzled League One side, like you said. And I think that, you know... If you can hold in that for, for 40 minutes and, and, and show that you can really compete, and it, a lot of the, the tiring in the second half doesn't come down to your fitness, it comes down to you just not having experienced that level of contact um, it, 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 to that extent previously and different things. But the one thing I, I, I would just sort of mention and look at around the, the reserves and stuff is I know you've had similar conversations with him, but speak to Paul Rowley about the, the pathways and the different things around the club and I think I think sometimes some of the 
things he says sound a little bit negative around it. But I, th- I think there's probably an expectation that, that, that what's in place at the minute isn't going to lead to the to the first team anytime soon. Different things, but you've just got to start somewhere. Haven't you? You've got to get these things in, in place, and I think the tragedy really is that, that Salford had all these in place at one time, then then got rid of them, and now he's having to start from, from scratch and bring them all back. So I think just having a reserve, having a, a foundation academy team and doing things the right way, it might be a long, long time before we see anyone progress through that and make it to the first team in Super League on a regular basis. But it's it's got to start and the stuff's got to be put in place. And I think it's got to be put in place because I, without any of us yet knowing the criteria, I think that's going to feature heavily in the IMG criteria about what makes a strong performing club and different things. So you've got to have all that in place. But all this resumption of it and these different things, this started before the IMG thing and, it, and it's important for the club and the club wants to get it right and, and do things and set all these pathways up and I know you're going to talk about the, the community and different things and, and how the club wants to be part of the community and all of this for me factors in and giving people within Salford the chance to see to see a pathway to see an opportunity and young kids to say I can, I can make it into that first team one day and you know in an ideal world the next Callum Watkins stands on the stands and watch Salford but then breaks through the Salford Academy rather than having to go away and come back later in the career and I think all of this stuff at the minute is, is small steps towards towards getting to that much longer term goal yeah the next Callum Watkins might be Jack Stevens Parker very busy I, I thought against Hunsley it was a chance at, I think it was 28 18 I think where he kicked over the top and their fullback ball just bounced into the fullback's hand if it had bounced into Jack's hands Jack goes under the post and Salford are within four and that's unfortunately the way they cook a crumble sometimes in matches that if you get if the chance comes and you take it then it's game on but unfortunately rubber balls bounce funny ways and the, the game went away yeah he's, he's had a lot of talent for, for a while and he's shown a lot of promise Jack I think overall the result again in that doesn't doesn't matter in many ways. Like I was saying about the Wigan friendly, it doesn't. The, the final score doesn't matter. The, the thing is, I mean, Hunslet had a game cancelled the week before. This was their build up for the season. You know, they they had to go and show some some front, and we obviously give them a bit of a test. We saw it at the end of last year. I mentioned it last week. Yeah, when we played Warrington, the number of reserve lads that came into the to the first team for that game, only a one off. We know that, but they, not a one of them let us down. They all they all showed that. They are capable, and I understand what we say and what Paul Rowley says about how far off they are. He said it the other week in terms of being in the first team, but like like Tom said, they've got to start somewhere. And I think the club are doing a great job in, in running this reserves. I think it's the, the the best thing we can do without being given an academy. We've got to show that we are we are doing some. We are offering opportunity. From what I see of these guys, and I know there is a big difference, but I think there is a chance for a few of them. I really do. I don't think that, that they're as far off as we make. I think the the physical side is the toughest part, and taking that next step. When we were talking to Paul the other week about the, the Welsh lads that we've got in the in the club at the moment, and they're naturally talented rugby players, mm. but they don't know rugby league well enough. They don't know the game well enough. They haven't grown up with it. It's not their thing. Once they learn... They're, they're going to be they're going to be decent players, but I think what they are doing is opening up this this gateway for us. When we hopefully do get awarded 
an academy. And ING can then look at us and go, well, hang on, Salford have already got all this in place. The concepts will have made in, in places like Wales, you know, to, to bring these lads into the game. That's expanding the game. Not just Salford, rugby league in general, which they've got to look at and think, actually, that's a good thing because there aren't enough players. You know, that's why we end up bringing over for, for many years, you know, second and third rate Australians because we just don't produce enough of our own players. Uh, so I think everything the club are doing right, and, and it's good to see the reserves getting these chances against decent opposition. I mean, I know you mentioned Hunslet there, a team that we played a few times ourselves as a first team, but and obviously they played against played against Rochdale as well. These teams, they've got aims, they've got goals, they've got things they want to achieve, and we're putting kids up who are, who are probably low. When you when you think of Wigan's academy team against the reserves or whatever, how far ahead Wigan's academy is in terms of. Not just development as players, but what they have on their doors, what they get given and what training facilities they have, everything else. The, the step is massive. So what these lads are doing at the moment and the level that they're playing at, I think it's just full of credit to, to them and the coaching staff that they can compete at that level. Yeah, opportunity club. That's what we are. And, and I think, obviously, Tom, like you said, Paul Rowley plays it down, doesn't he? He, like, he likes to keep everyone at a level. And... I do see a few of them coming through, but like he's like Paul Rowley says, it's not going to be, it might be the end of this year, beginning of next year, which gives them another sort of 12, 18 months to develop physically and learn how to play the game. Talking about the Welsh connection, I think Jason, I think it's James Jason Lee, second row, six foot five, 80 stone. He looks like a, he could be a player. You're hoping the likes of him in 18 months' time will be, you know, knocking on that first team door. It definitely, and obviously the, the Welsh connection is. Has been strong there. You've brought a lot of the young lads through and, and different things. And, and you know, you talk about giving opportunities and, and different things. Well, Lewis Roberts made his debut in that 2020 season, played two games, he's played for Wales, he's, he's come through these things. I think he's going to be big for Leeds this year. Like, looking at their squad, I think he's going to get games. And, it, it, and I saw bits of him at Lee and I went on loan at Witness last year. I thought he was really impressive. He's, they're talking there, six foot four, big lad under a Eyeball and that game in the game was it Warrington he made his debut against 2020 and it was it was a, the, it was back when they played two games in three days and different things you know it was a really patched up squad and he he just looked like a, a like a tall but just, I was worried for him physically like the way he lined up but he didn't need to worry he he had it all about him he needed to there and I think there are going to be plenty of lads like that in the reserves now it will come through in the future and it's just when to get an opportunity and I think to be honest like in an ideal world when, when Paul Rowley says you know you won't see any of them this season right when in an ideal world you probably don't because you've got your 25 first teamers they all stay fit and, and, and you know and, and we get to the end of the season and, and you don't but it's rugby league and that doesn't happen and you do get injuries for me just having that set up in place now that if we do get to a situation where you're down to your last 14, 15 bodies, that you've got a couple of lads who, at the very least, have been playing the game for a few years, have been within the system and know what Salford is about and what, or what they like, and that, and that you know, they can step in and, and it might not, they might not be viable first team Super League regulars week in, week out for a good few years yet, but can they step in and, and you know, not look out of place for, for 80 minutes? I, I don't think that's beyond a lot of the guys. Mm, very exciting times. Let's move on to more exciting times and all the big news that come out of the club this week. Gentlemen, 
So I'll start with the biggest news, Parker. Brody Croft signs new seven-year deal to stay at Salford Red Devils. Last week, you put the message out, reach for the stars, sign Brody. And that's what happened. Yeah, I'd love to take some credit for it. Um, <laughs> oh, just, I mean, it was the news that we all wanted. We've seen for years and years and years our best players getting picked up every year or they'll... Yeah, they'll come here, they'll rebuild a career and, and somebody will come and steal them or whatever. It's fantastic. As a fan, I think we all just had a little celebration in our own way. No matter where you were when you heard the story, you were like, I mean, I can't remember how I found out. It was a bit bizarre. I think it was building the bed, strangely enough. And I just sort of looked at my phone and went, what? Yeah. And then it was, I think it was messaging absolutely everybody. You know, anyone I knew, people who don't, don't even know who Brody Croft is were finding out that he'd signed a deal. No, look, he, he, it's not just a great... For Brody and, and for us as fans and the team, but for the club, it it sends out a massive message that we, we're not like that. You, you can't just come and pick off whoever you want when you want. And if you, if you want our best players, sorry, it's going to cost you anyway. Mm. But um, no, absolutely magnificent news. I mean, what what a season he had. And I did warn you all, but I don't know if any of you listened that he was a pretty good player. Um, he just developed last year. Once he got his, his, you know, feet under the table, sort of thing. He was, he's just so silky, isn't he? So classy. And so I've been tied down for. for I know. I think the initial deal is like another three years, isn't it? and then his extensions and everything on top. But it's unbelievable. The one thing I will say is, and I know we've all said it. It's been all over Twitter and everything. But the credit that's got to be given to to Ian Blees and and Paul King for making this happen. I mean. I, I don't know what it costs. I, I don't know what this guy's going to get paid. I don't know what any of them get paid. And I don't want to know. It's nothing to do with me. It's not my place. But he won't have come cheap. And what Salford will have had to do, Paul King especially, and, and everybody else who, who count you know count the pennies that we have, is, is calculate this risk. Mm. Is it worth us going out on a limb and paying this guy the money that he absolutely deserves or could we take the easy way out? We could get a bit of money for him, put that in the coffers, go and sign two or three other players. And for me, what they've done is, is the right decision. Because I think if Brody Croft left Salford in this, the, the winter just gone or, or halfway through the season or whatever, it would rip the heart out of not just the team, but the fans. Once again, another kick. And I think, I think they've looked at that and they've looked at the money. And Are we better with or without Brody Croft? Well, that's, that's an easy easy one to answer. And I think what they've done is they've, ta- they've taken a risk. Anything can happen. But I'm delighted they have. And I think they deserve all the praise that's going to get heaps on them. And, and, and praise on Paul Roller for making the, the environment somewhere where a player of Brodie Croft's quality wants to play his rugby. He seems happy enough. You know, he fits right into what we need. He's our kind of player. And as a Salford fan, I couldn't be happier than than what we've done. I, I did fear when it dragged on a bit and then there's rumours of, you know, St George that they'd come in with a bid and somebody else was going to come in with a bid and whatever. Well, you can now. You can come in with a bid. But it better be a big one. Mm. And I mean, massive. Because he's not going anywhere. Yeah. I was having made diabetic eye test at the time and they have like, they put the drips in your eye and it blinds yeah. you for like four hours. Yeah. And I saw it on, I was squinting, thinking, seven? 
I thought that's not right. Only seven, but it was weirdly enough. But yeah, I think it's it's a it's a statement signing for me, Tom. It's a win win for the club and the player, like like Paul says, and it, it shows ambition. That's the that's the key thing moving forward. Like you said, with the IMG on the horizon, Salford have to, to position themselves among the elite of the elite, and you're hoping sort of Brodie Croft will take us there. Yeah, I don't think you can overstate how, how big it is, really. I think the, the point you just said there, the IMG stuff, is vital in this, I think, because he's going to be, or he is now, Salford's first marquee player. Mm. So up to this point, you had a thing where, like I said before, we don't know what the criteria is yet, but there's every chance one of the criteria will be using the marquee player rule because that is designed for you to, to bring in the best players, make your club more attractive, make the sport more attractive. And the fact that Salford hadn't utilised it or weren't utilising it for so long was potentially a negative point against the club. Now, like you said, like you said, everyone has spotted the same thing, but, but what Parking, Ian Blees and all the people involved there have managed to do, we don't know what he's being paid, but it's got to be over £175,000 to be on the marquee. Play real. Now, to find that money in the budget for a club like, like Salford is, I assume, very difficult thing to do. But they've managed to do that. And like you said, Paul, they've made all the calculations about whether it's a gamble worth taking. And, and you know, his performances last year proved it, it, it absolutely is. And I think the other thing you mentioned, Paul, that I think is really important as well is, is about the environment, you know, that he wants to be here and, and different things. I don't know if you've seen the facilities they have at Melbourne Storm and Brisbane Broncos, but they're, they're slightly different scale to, to what they've got at Salford. It's not, for a lot of places, it's not about that. It's about enjoying doing what you do. And he clearly enjoys being part of that team and the coaching staff and, and the, the group. I know that the the little three they have with him, Mark Sneed and Ryan Briley, just all self-confessed absolute geeks for rugby so they love spending time with each other talking off the field talking about it you know going for coffee together that environment being part that's all these factors come together I know his partner's English so another thing that's going to keep him hopefully you'd hope around here and then we all know the way it is it's it's an eight season seven year thing there's initial four years there's break points there's NRL clauses at every stage but it's all mapped out now and every party you know, each party involved in it knows well all right, if somebody wants you, that's his. That's what it's going to cost. And, you know, I'm led to believe the figures in that are way above anything that was mentioned when St. George were interested the other week and different things. And, you know, you're talking about money that would compete with the biggest you've ever seen transfers happen. So, yeah, I think the world record still Sam Tompkins to New Zealand Warriors the other year. And if, if, that's, if that's the sort of money that, you, that you're talking about, then... You know, I think that's a conversation worth having because you can do a lot for Salford with that sort of money, Definitely. but you can't do anywhere near as much with the well. It turned out to be hundred and fifty thousand or two hundred thousand. Do talk about St George of the year? By the time you've got in a replacement who, let's face it, isn't going to be a, a man of steel because he, that's what he's just won. What else can you do with that extra cash? And it's it's not going to be much. So I think on an IMG front, I think it was a big signing. To, to put out a statement for for Salford, it was a really big signing. The response I saw to it immediately was fans encouraging each other. If you've not got your season tickets, go and get your season tickets. Like I'd love to know what sort of a boost the club received on on the back of that. Into, into mm. Things, and then the other thing is just the fact that 
the nature of that contract, the, the length of the contract, longest contract in Super League history, right? That made news that Salford doesn't normally get featured in. And I think all these different component parts of it, I thought it was, I thought I guess it's an incredibly smart bit of business that they've done. I think it was presented incredibly well. And I think it's, it's, very hard to see a negative in tying down the reign of Steve Prescott Man of Steel for what should be the best years of his career. And, you know, if you're going to lose him at any point during that, having it written down in that contract, what you're going to get in return and, and knowing that it's something you're happy with because you're signing that contract, I think is, is incredible. Yeah, it's reaching outside the bubble, Tom. And that's, that's, the, that's the main thing about the signing because suddenly it's big news Brody Croft Rainy Man of Steel stays and that that could switch that could change everything sort of for us and that's the important thing Parker lots of talk about the sort of best bits of Brody you know is it the speed is it the skills for me it's defence solid defender on the on the edges and that's a, such an important sort of part of the game in this day and age. People talk about the other magic stuff, but he does, he's not a turnstile. He makes the tackles he should do, and he also makes the tackles that he shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, it is a good part of his game. You do need to be strong at that or you're going to get targeted. It's as simple as that. You know, I remember going back to Carl Harrison when he used to call Tommy Martin a speed bump. I'd never heard that before, but he was. He'd slow you down, but he'd never stop you. So you just target him That when he played at Lee for that, that, that short period. And we, we're quite lucky like that. But for me, it's just his intelligence. Not just for himself, but he knows where other players need to be to make something work. Our, our style of play last year wouldn't have worked, I don't think, with 75% of the, the standoffs in the, in the game at the moment. Certainly not, not in Super League, because they wouldn't play that way. He wouldn't have that that little bit of intelligence, which he's he, he's been bred on that at, at Melbourne and at, at Brisbane as well. Even though he, you know it was a bad time, the, the coaching there and everything that goes on, he's just a naturally talented athlete as well. He is strong. I mean, you see it when he runs the ball, he still takes some stopping. For he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's he's strong. But he he organises as well. I know for me that's that Sneed's brilliant at that. Sneed's brilliant at organising a team and getting players to, to be where he needs them. Brody's equally learn, learning that and, and can be as good at that. You watch him on a pitch, he's talking to players constantly where he wants them shouting, you know. And, and I think he's, yeah, Tom's right there, we've got to, we're going to have probably, hopefully, for the few years of his career, he's still learning, hmm. even now. And he's, you know, he's played play for Melbourne Storm, for God's sake. Yeah, what more do you need? But, He's just he's just got this all round this all round game. But what one point I did want to make is that for us as well, it gives Salford now a chance to develop their own. Now I know what we're saying about lack of academy, but if he does stay for the period that we want him to stay, and nobody comes in and pays you know a million quid or whatever it is going to be, we don't need to look at a standoff as such. Yes, you'd like an extra halfback just in case you know for injury and so on. You're not going to find one quite like that. But now we can develop someone like a Jack Stevens or whoever it is, spend the time with him and developing that next level of player to come in for when he's ready to go or when he does go. But get that player training daily with Brody Croft, learning their trade off the best. That's where we are now. We're not worried about, you might not be here next week, you know, or, or what. Th- we can build around this as, as our base now. You know, and I, I'm always saying Sneedy. Oh, wow. He's in his 30s. He might have another two, three years, maybe. 
But again, it just gives us that time now to build our own rather than having to worry about we have to go and invest several hundred thousand in getting another one, another star halfback. Let's go and look for the best, the best out there, the best either in somebody else's academy or the best in the amateur game, whatever it's going to be coming through. Let's have a look. Let's see what we can do and invest our time there and worrying about that for the future. Yeah, double delight. Tom, as Jack Armandroyd signed a new three-year deal as well, vital to the Salford pack. He's been on that journey, the opportunity journey, going from Leeds to Feverson to Salford, and it's peak of his powers now. Salford will be loads uh, more to come. Yeah, it's, it's another one of them where I think, you know, it's great to have him tied down. I think his performances last year were, were brilliant. You know, he's definitely progressed a lot as a player since joining Salford and, and I would imagine they'd be interested in him if he was on the free market now because his size and I think he I think what he was last year was consistent which is probably what he's not been earlier in his career I think he, he had games and, and different things where he looked great but now consistently he was putting in them performances last year for Salford the thing I was impressed with when I heard about the news was it's a three year deal mm. it's, it's like the Brody thing it's, it's the stability things like this are giving the club, knowing there's the core of a team. For as long as I can remember, Salford would, would get a good squad and it would be picked off. And I, like, I think, you know, a lot of people perhaps don't understand how the contracts things work it, 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 in rugby league, it's, in Super League, definitely. It's, it's, you've got to tell a player, if your player's out of contract that season, you've got to tell them by May whether you're keeping them. And then, or middle April, and then May's the deadline. You know, they can negotiate with the clubs. So you're only eight rounds into the season before you head somewhere else because you've signed with another club or you're talking to all these other clubs and different things. Getting players that tied down on multi-year contracts moves all that away. It stops things like that happening. It keeps... You know, there was a lot of disruption the other year at Salford when players started signing in other, other places. It sort of derailed the season for a good couple of months where they had to pull their heads back in and, and get it all together. And I think you know, there's always a danger of that happening when you've got a load of players on one-year deals and, and, and moving on. I think we said this before, but like in the off-season, Ellis Longstaff's coming on long, Ben Helliwell, one-year deal, but everyone else is, is two or three minimum. So you start to know now what maybe 16 or 17 of next year's squad's going to be, which when have we ever been able to say that about Salford before? And the stability there, the stability in the coaching staff as well, in the, you know, Paul and Kurt Haggerty have both signed three-year deals in the off-season. And I think, you start to look at it, I think there was a time when sort of were progressing under Ian Watson that you sort of always knew he wasn't going to be around forever. He was eyeing that move to the NRL or different things. You know, he wasn't going to be around. So I think you look at this squad now and like, if we do it in the context of that Brody contract, Paul Rowley and Kurt Agassi only signed three-year deals. But I, I would say with, a, a high degree of confidence they'll still be they'll still be there they'll sign more longer deals on the back end they'll still be there in two, three, four, five years because that's the environment the club is, mm. it seems to be creating at the minute it's about that stability Ian Blee said it when he first came in that was the key thing looking for and it takes a while to get to that you've got to hand out the one year deals and different things because you've got to get the players in sometimes and you've got to do different things you've got to operate to the budgets you've got and all these different things but what the club has done well is work out where it can prioritise these different sort of things. And, you know, I think 
Jack's another one that then now where you look at without knowing again we talk about you know value of contracts and different things without knowing what he's on it's similar to what we said earlier about the squad I imagine to get someone who's going to put the performances he put in last season you'd have to pay more than he was being paid previ- previously and probably more than this new contract as well because I think Salford pound for pound get more out of the value of the players a lot of the time and identifying Jack when he was at Featherstone and playing in the championship and different things and saying you know he's someone who could do a really good job for us and then coaching him to the level where he has been able to to find that consistency and do that different things I think it's a real good reflection of, of what Jack's been able to do for his game, real good reflection of what the coaching staff been able to give him. And the fact that these deals are happening now, more and more players are signing longer-term contracts, is a real good reflection of where Salford are as a club at the minute. Well, and up here, Park, if you like to bang my chest with real out a massive roar after Tom's monologue there. Yeah, he's absolutely right. What I suppose what we're doing is, is legacy planning. Mm. At the moment, I think that's the key. And I think, I mean, you mentioned Paul Rowley there signing his, his deal and Kurt Haggerty. I, I could easily see Kurt Haggerty taking over from Paul Rowley in a few years' time. Paul then moving to the next phase where he's a director of football or going back into what he was doing just before he you know, he, he joined the coaching staff sort of thing with the, with the youth or whatever else. I mean, if, he's, if we did get an elite academy back, somebody heading that up or looking to recruit for that, I mean, Paul Rowley would be absolutely, you know, ideal. Kurt Haggerty then would follow on from what he's already put in place. These two know the club. It's the DNA of the club. That that's It's their club. And Ian Blees, he did say that and he, he has, you know, things have started to change at the club in, in the last few years. Um, I mean, you think back to that 2019 side that went to the grand final. Within two years, how many of them were still there? Mm. Tom's right. Then players have got to look after themselves. You know, they've got to start looking at contracts. I mean, one that stands out for me was Josh Jones. I, I mean, sensational in the Salford shirt. I don't think he's ever been as good since he left, if I'm honest with you. Not, not that he's not been as good, but certain players fit certain clubs. I've always thought that. And I just think he was right for us and we were right for him. But when, when he's, you know, he's got to look at his contract and go, well, I've only got a year left there at Salford. Nothing's really secure. The, fo- the money's not there, you know, and, and somebody's going to offer me more money in, a, in two or three years. You know, then what I'm going to do? I've got my family to think of, and everything. so he moved on. You know, sadly, but that's that's the way it is. So I think, yeah, what we're doing now is we're doing it all right. For years, we fumbled and bumbled along doing things by you know ad hoc, and it actually now appears to be a plan. And and the signing of Jack is 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 more evidence of that. And as a player, I mean, in the last eighteen months, he's come on so much. He he had it. When he, when he first came, he had a tendency of trying to offload every time he ran the ball in. If you're an opposition coach, you know he's going to offload the ball. You're going to watch him. You're going to tell your players what to do. He'd get the ball knocked out of his arm because he didn't have it. It was a loose carry or whatever. Last season, he just turned into this. I, I don't even know how to describe him. But, I mean, he's, he was 30. I think he's 31 now, isn't he? He's in, he's in the peak of a props career. And we've got him. And he seems to have learnt the game. Somebody sat him down and spoke to him and said, this is where you've been going wrong. And it's not its not really a shock that you see the likes of Tyler Dupree and Alex Gerrard doing similar, coming from the Championship. And, and that's, again, more credit to Salford for going out. And I'm going to look in the Championship. You don't have to go to the NRL. You don't have to do... There are players out there 
who maybe missed out the first time round or did even on their own made their own mistakes, but they'll learn from that. And if you've got the right people around you, like Paul Rowling and Kurt Aggerty, and you're coming into the right environment, you can you can turn a player's career around. And that's I think that's what's happened with Jack. So that's the end of the first part of this week's Devil in the Detail podcast. We'll see you later in the week for part two. Ha, 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 ha.